makes no difference what you believe just as long as you are sincere. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't think that a person who espouses that personal philosophy has ever stopped to consider the ramifications of that statement. And they've never really stopped and thought it through. Because if you did, think about it. If we can apply that to, quote, and it seems like the only place where we apply it is religion. As long, you know, as, as you're sincere, it really doesn't make any difference what you believe. And it's the only area of life that we apply that philosophy to. Now, if that is a, a true philosophy of life, we should be able to apply it to any area of life whatsoever. Stop and think about it. It really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. These are true stories. These are accounts that have happened in uh, newspapers or I've heard on the news or whatever. But, for example, uh, the nurse in a hospital who uh, was very sincere about the medication that she gave her patient. The problem was she read the wrong chart and it wasn't for the patient she administered the medicine to, but it was for the patient supposedly in the bed next to this person. And this person almost died because of the medication they took. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Or this particular tragedy that took place where a man who was in his home heard something going on in the middle of the night he grabbed a gun from his bedstand. He thought there was a prowler in his house, and as he walked through his house, he saw a shadow in the kitchen, and uh, he, he shot and fired, and uh, he killed his daughter, who had gotten up in the middle of the night to go down to the kitchen to get something to eat. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Well, you know, I, I think those, those uh, stories, those tragedies, pinpoint the reality of the fact that it really does make a difference what a person believes. It makes a huge difference what a person believes. It takes more than sincerity to make something truth. And it matters what a man believes. And uh, that's precisely why, if you've got your Bibles, the Apostle Paul warned the Thessalonians of the danger and subsequent consequences that result from believing that which is false. When we believe a lie, it often has tragic consequences. When we believe the truth, there is never a point where we regret believing that which is true. Believing a lie often leads to tragic consequences. And that's why Paul told us in 2 Thessalonians, if you look at verse 10, for example, of the second chapter, start, actually, let's start with verse 9. Uh, we've gone over this before, but just as a reminder that believing, our beliefs do make a difference. He says, the one who is coming, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, he says, the one who is, who is coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. He was referring again to that great world leader, the Antichrist, the Bible calls him, the man of, um, of uh, lawlessness or the son of perdition. He says that um, according uh, with the activity of Satan, with all the power and signs and false wonders, says that he will amaze people by what he can do. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Why? Why do they perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. They didn't believe the truth of the word of God. It goes on, it says, and for this reason, because they continued to deny the truth, God gave them or will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. And probably the best illustration of that in the Bible is that of the life of Pharaoh. As the, God had told Moses to go to Pharaoh and ask that his people would be set free. God demonstrated his power with incredible signs and wonders and miracles that took place. And Pharaoh continued to see the truth, but he continued to deny the truth. And you stop and you go, how in the world could this guy, after seeing what he saw, continue to deny the truth of the evidence that was laid out before him? And ultimately what God said, because they continued to, or because he, in this case, continued to reject the truth 
And in the case of those of us who hear the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, who continue to reject the truth, the Bible says that we will perish, those who reject the truth will perish because they did not believe the truth of the word of God. And God will send upon them a deluding influence that they might believe what is false. Why? In order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. It does make a difference what man believes. If you believe the lie or you believe falsehood, the Bible says there's tragic consequences. And that consequences are that we would perish or that we would be separated from God for eternity in a place that he really designed for, for the devil and his angels or his demons and it was never designed for man. And the bottom line is if you reject that truth, you'll find yourself there for all of eternity because you didn't believe the truth of the word of God. But for those of us who have received the truth, the word of God, that whoever would believe in Jesus Christ would have forgiveness of sins. To them he gave the privilege to be called a child of God, to those who believe in his name. For those of us who believe the truth, we have all the benefits and the blessings that go along with that, that we would not perish, but that would have everlasting life. It makes a huge difference what we believe. So I, I like the, and, and that's why he goes on and talks about, which we're going to discuss today, is that Paul goes on to tell of the importance of being men and women who are committed to the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And as we will see as we go through this, well, this is going to be interesting. Hang on, i got to do some uh, technical repairs. Duct tape, this stuff's great. But we're to believe the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I like the story that I heard recently about a woman who was committed to the truth. She didn't want to give a, um, an... Uh, Oh, an appearance of deception. And it took place when a pastor went out to visit some of the members of his congregation. He went out on a Saturday and he went to a home and he knocked on the door and he could tell that someone was home, but no one was coming to the door. And he continued to knock and no one would answer. And uh, eventually, having a good sense of humor, he took out his business card and he wrote on his business card, Revelation 3.20. Now, for those of you who don't know Revelation 3.20, let me quote it for you. It reads this way. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. So he left that door. I mean, left it at the door and he, and he went on his way. The next day, the same card turned up in the collection basket. And below the pastor's message was the notation Genesis 3.10. Now, if you're not familiar with Genesis 3.10, let me quote it for you. It says this, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. <laughs> and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. So there you go. Anyway, in Second uh, Thessalonians, you know, you, you don't want to give the appearance of, of not being truthful. So in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, if you're there already, verses uh, 13 through chapter 3, verse 5, we learn of four responsibilities that, that uh, every believer has to God's truth. Paging Hansen, Paging Hansen. Everybody take a look at Paging Hansen there. I, I appreciate you trying to do it so discreetly, but this group has an attention span of about this much. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, you, got, you ever notice how fascinated you are about the most incredible, silly things? Somebody gets up and walks out and everybody goes, look, somebody's exiting the room. <laughs> Never saw that before. Wow, I wonder what's going on. You have to go to the bathroom? What's up? It's like, so, anyway. But uh, our first responsibility to the truth, we have four responsibilities. Uh, if you've got your Bible, let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, where we read these words. It says, uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 through 14, we read, But we ought always to thank God 
But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says we have a responsibility, every believer, to believe the truth of what God has to say. And in this particular passage, he identified at least five truths that he, that he points out that we need to remind ourselves and to be constantly aware of. And the most important one that he says, or not the most important, but the first one that he says, he says that you are loved by God, that God loves us. And everything that he does is motivated by love. And what's really fascinating that we're to believe that truth. What, and as we think about this, we need to personalize it. Everything that God allows to happen in my life is motivated because he loves me and he wants what's best for me. If we could just grasp that truth, it'll change the way we see circumstances in this lifetime. God loves me. And whatever he does is motivated by his great love for me. What a wonderful comfort and assurance that is understanding that God loves me. And I was reminded of that this past week. I had a friend that was over for a Bible study that we had, and he said, I've got to tell you this story. I said, what's up? He said, hey, um, I have a friend from, from high school. I've known him for 20-some years, and we were best friends in high school. And I got a call that he was in, he's in Portland, Oregon, and he's in a hospital, and he was diagnosed with a deadly disease. He said, I was going to go up to visit him. And as I was walking out the door, I, w I, I remembered that I forgot a tape that I was going to listen to of a week that he wasn't here because he's on the every, every other week rotation like some of you. And so he, he missed that. And he missed that one. So he goes, oh, and I remembered as I got in the car, I backed out of the driveway, I stopped and went back into the house and I grabbed the tape that, that uh, I had missed the week that um, I was somewhere else. And he said, that I listened to the tape and I went to the hospital and I was in Oregon and I was talking to him and I was sharing with him and and, uh, you know, as we spent some time together, I asked him, I said, hey, uh, would you mind if I left this tape for you to listen to? And the tape was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and the title of it was, What Happens After Death? And he said he left the tape for him. And he got home and didn't think anything else of it and got a call about three days later, and he said the voice on the other end of the phone, it was incredible. There was a joy and there was a peace and there was an excitement. And he said, hey, I just want to let you know I listened to that tape. And you know what? And I believe in Jesus Christ. And I ask Him to come into my life and forgive me for my sins. And I believe what the Bible says, that the moment that I die, that I'm going to be with Him in heaven. And here's a guy in his mid-30s who has two young children that has a bleak outlook as far as life is concerned here on earth, but he had an excitement and, a, and an assurance and a confidence. And it wasn't because of anything that I did or anything that I said. It was because of the truth of the Word of God went out and penetrated the heart of this man who was lying in the hospital with the worst news that any human being could ever hear, and that is that, you know what, you don't have much longer to be here on this earth. You know, and I thought about that because what it really, it really instilled upon me again this truth that God loves us. And His great desire is that none of us should perish. It was never God's intention that any human being that He created go to hell. It was, it was God's great intention that all of us would have fellowship with God on a regular basis. God created man in His image and likeness so we could spend time together with God. And that was violated when man rebelled against God and chose to go his own way. And all of us as a result have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's great desire is that none would perish, that all would come a save, to a saving knowledge of the truth, is what the Bible tells us. And I was thinking, you know, what, what's the worst thing that can happen to a person? Jesus said the worst thing that can ever happen to a person is that he would lose his soul in a place called hell for all of eternity. 
Some of us put all these things that happen in our life into this bad category. This man was diagnosed with a deadly disease. Bad category. But let me tell you this. I put it in a great category, a wonderful category. It's the best category you can be put in because it was through that incident or through that experience that he came to an understanding that, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. And I'm scared to death to die. And I believe what God says, that Jesus Christ came to save me from the consequences of believing a lie. What are those lies? There's all kinds of ways to get to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Does God really mean it when He says the only way to heaven is to believe in Jesus Christ? God doesn't really mean that. That is Satan from the beginning has been planting lies in the thoughts of men since the very beginning of time. Where He said God surely didn't mean that you would surely die. He didn't want you to do that because you'll become just like God. No, that's not true at all. It's not truth at all. And it matters what a person believes. That was, the most, that was the most loving thing that could happen to this man, that God would allow a, a, a deadly disease to come into his life. Why? So that he'd be knocked down on his back, and the only place he had to look was up. And he looked up into the face of God and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. Forgive me for my sins. I don't know about you, but some of us think, oh, the worst thing that happened to me is I lose my business, or I lose my finances, and I, or, you know, or I'm, I'm flat broke. And God says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world? but lose his own soul. Jesus said, what would a man exchange for his soul? Why is that such a bad thing that you lose your business? If that's what caused you to be knocked flat before the Lord and on your knees, then it's the most wonderful, loving thing that God could have ever done to you. I don't know about you, but we need to be praying that God will do in the lives of people around us who have rejected God's truth and continue to believe a lie. We need to be praying, God, do whatever you have to do to knock that person on their backside, so the only place they look is up to you for the forgiveness of their sins. Because who cares whatever they accomplish here on this earth, if they're separated from you for eternity, it doesn't make any difference. That's the only thing that matters. And so he's motivated by his great love for us. And what a tremendous reminder that is for all of us, that God, we we are loved by God. And because from the very beginning, God chose us. He chose us. You think about that. God's great desire is that none would perish, but all come to a saving knowledge of the truth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in Him, an open invitation, all you got to do is believe the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth is this. If you believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and recognize He's the only way to the Father, then the Bible says that you'll be called a child of God to those who receive Him or believe His name. The second thing He says is that we're chosen by God. From the beginning, God chose you to be saved. From the very beginning, you know, Psalm 139 says this, that even before we existed or even had a day, God knew every day that would ever live. That God knew us whom He foreknew He chose. That He chose us who received this great loving invitation of believing in Jesus Christ. That He chose us from the beginning before we ever lived a day. I like what one man said. He said this, he said, You know, I'm glad God chose me before I was ever born because if He had waited until I'd been born, it would have been a whole lot harder for God to want to choose me. Huh? Amen? I don't know about you, but that's true. I'm glad God chose me before I ever lived today, but the good news is this, He already knew what I was like. For God demonstrated His love for us, and yet while we were sinners, He sent Christ to die for us. He already knew what we were like, and He still chose us anyway. That's some great truth that we need to believe. The third thing He says is that we're sanctified by the work of the Spirit through belief in the truth. There it is again. To believe the truth of the Word of God. That we are sanctified or set apart for God's purposes. We're set apart from the rest of the world and we're set apart for His purposes to bring glory to His life. He goes on to say that He also called us. 
He called you to this through our gospel. How were we even able to respond to this calling or being chosen by God? The only way that we could respond is by hearing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is simply this, that God loved you. He sent His Son to die for you in your place. Three days after that, He rose again from the dead to to prove that He is the God He claims to be and He has power to forgive sin and power over death and power to give life. And that's the good news of the gospel and it's by grace we're saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift from God so no one would ever brag before God. That's the good news. And that's the way God sanctifies His people, by believing in the truth of the Word of God. And he goes on and he says, so that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we'd share in the glory that comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we believe God's truth, when we believe His truth, God saves us from the consequences of sin. He saves us from the judgment that is rightfully ours because we have sinned before God. And we can look forward to the glory that is found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that one day that Jesus Christ, don't forget the theme of these two letters that we've been studying, is that one day Jesus Christ will come in glory back to this earth and he will judge this world on what they did with the truth of the word of God. If they receive the truth, then there's the blessings that go along with it. If they reject the truth, then there's the judgment and punishment that's to be had because of that. In Philippians 2, we read this. Because of Jesus' humility and his obedience and is giving up himself on the cross, the Bible says this, that God highly exalted him and has given him, Jesus Christ, the name above every name. It says, above every name, every knee should bow, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and are under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Bible says very clearly this, we have a choice. We can either bow now while we have a choice and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Or we can bow later. And later's too late. Because if we wait to bow after death, it is appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. But one day, even those who have died and are waiting to be judged, the last thing that they'll do before they're separated from God for all of eternity in a place that is filled with weeping and mourning and gnashing of teeth in a place of real suffering, the very last thing that anyone will do is believe the truth of the Word of God and believe that Jesus Christ truly is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But then it's too late. You have a choice. You can believe in Him now or you can believe in Him then. And you know what? I, t- I just ask that you pray very uh, carefully that you make a wise decision. We're to believe the truth of the Word of God. The second thing that he talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse 15, he says this, that we are to guard the truth, that we're to guard the truth. It says, so then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. We're to stand firm and hold the teachings which are passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. He's saying that we are to guard the truth. You know, what's fascinating is that Paul warns us over and over again about this great rebellion, the great falling away from the truth that's to be found when Antichrist or this great world dictator at some point in the future turns his back on the truth of the Word of God. He warns us about the day of wrath or the day of the Lord. But we're also warned in numerous places throughout the Bible about another apostasy or falling away, and that is that the church is guilty or in danger of falling away from the truth at any time. Sure, there's one great act of falling away that will take place, which we've already studied. But we also need to recognize this, that there are many opportunities for God's people to fall away from the truth, and God warns us continually about that danger. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 
1 John chapter 2, we read where John warns of the same danger of falling away or being seduced into believing that which is not true. It does make a difference what you believe. And he says in 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 18. We read a similar warning to that which we've already seen Paul give to the Thessalonians. Where we read this, children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now, listen, many Antichrists have already arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. That there are a lot of imitation gospels out there. There are a lot of imitation pastors and ministers out there. There are a lot of imitation messages out there. And there are a lot of messages that are flatly just opposed to the things of God. That oppose Jesus Christ, oppose the gospel of God, oppose the word of God. That's very clear. But what's interesting is there are many antichrists or imitators out there already. It says they weren't, they went out from us, but they really not, were not one of us. For if they had been us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. He's saying, hey, there are a lot of people that went out and they were teaching their philosophies. They were teaching what they believed. But the truth of the matter is they separated themselves from those who were true believers or true Christians. And it became apparent after a point in time that the fruit of their ministry that we can judge led John to say, hey, these people weren't real. They weren't legit. They were counterfeits. And he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I've not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of God, the only way that man will be saved. This is the Antichrist and the one who denies the, is the, one who denies the Father and the Son. We see people all the time say, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus Christ. Well, the Bible says, and guess what? Then you don't believe the truth. Because the truth is simple, that Jesus Christ said it Himself, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father, for I and the Father am one. Jesus many times claimed to be God, the God of Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of the Old Testament, when He said even before Abraham existed, I am, pre-existing condition, that He existed before He ever was manifest or made known or appeared in the flesh, that He is the God who created the universe. John 1 tells us that. Everything that was made, nothing that was made that came into being was made apart from Him, everything. That he's a creator of the universe. But we have people all the time say, well, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus Christ. And as long, really, and it really doesn't matter because as long as we're sincere, what difference does it make what we believe? It makes a huge amount of difference. And that's what he's trying to get across. And as for you, let, let that abide in you from what you've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, and you also will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise which he himself, Jesus Christ himself, made to us that we would have eternal life. It says, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you, get you to believe that which is true, untrue, and seduce you away from truth. And as for you, the anointing which you've received from Him abides in you also. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, it is true and it is not a lie, just as it has taught you and abide in Him. I want to talk a little bit more about what John was saying, but I also want to make sure that we understand something. The word seduce means to carry away from that which is true. It means to try to get us to believe that which is a lie, to believe that which is false. The word seduce has a lot to do with you know, taking people that know the truth and are trying to get them away from the truth so that they're not effective anymore for the kingdom of God. You know, what's fascinating to me is the Bible very clearly teaches, do you know that there are false ministers who preach a false gospel that leads to a false sense of righteousness. 
And we need to recognize it and understand it. Now, my problem is this. It's like, how do you know what's true and how do you know what's false? How do you know what's counterfeit? How do you know what's uh, genuine? And I was reading through the paper, and this is probably one of the greatest illustrations that I have found to help explain this truth. The, the article is entitled, A Decision Between Faith and Heritage. Listen carefully. It says, for most of his life, and I'll leave the guy's name out because that's not real important, but for most of his life, he was a dedicated Christian until he uncovered a cloaked part of his family's past, a revelation that made him reject the deity of Jesus Christ. A Cuban-born American, he was baptized Catholic, raised as a Baptist, came to California at 16 to attend Bible school in La Puente. He ministered at Assemblies of God churches in Santa Ana and Huntington Beach. He even pastored his own evangelical congregation in Miami, a ministry with its own television broadcast. Then one day a document arrived in the mail that changed his life forever. It was a turn-of-the-century birth certificate, and he discovered as he looked at his birth certificate that he was Jewish. He goes on to say, if we're Jews, he said to himself, what does that mean for our Christian faith? For him, it meant the end. Quote, I had a lot invested in Christianity, says the former minister. It seems like every time that we're comfortable, God decides to change plans on you. He goes on and he says, I still consider Jesus to be a Messiah figure or a holy man, but for him to become a practicing Jew, he needed to renounce Christianity completely. That is really a fascinating story. As soon as you become comfortable, God goes and changes the program on you. The Word of God doesn't change. The truth of God doesn't change. Unfortunately, now compare his response to that of the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, read it sometime if you'd like, but the reality of all this was simply this, that what Paul said was, you know what? I, I, I forsake my background. I forsake my heritage. I forsake everything that I did in life and all that I thought was important. And the reason I counted all rubbish and trash was for the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and Him crucified. Everything I thought was important in life paled in comparison to the day I met Jesus Christ. I threw my heritage out the window. It didn't make any difference because my heritage can't save me. My background can't save me. My good works can't save me. The only thing that can save me from sin is Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for my sins on the cross in my place. He said, I counted all rubbish and threw it all aside. Why? For the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and Him crucified. Wow, interesting, isn't it? One man finds out about his heritage and he rejects Jesus Christ. Another man discovers Jesus Christ and he rejects his heritage. Which one's true? Interesting, isn't it? How do we protect ourselves from such deception? The Bible says that we need to know the truth. And the truth will set us free. And the truth is the Word of God. Jesus prayed it Himself. Father, sanctify them in truth. Because Thy Word is truth. God doesn't change His plans. Not when it comes to eternal issues. He hasn't changed His plan as to salvation. As to judgment. 
He hasn't changed his plan in any way. The truth will set you free, and the truth we've got in writing. Now, what also is interesting, and John says this in 1 John, which we just read, and that's this. Not only will knowing the word of God or God's truth save us from deception, but he also makes another very clear point, and that's this. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you have the anointing or the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God indwells you and lives in your life. And the purpose of the Spirit of God was to help us, to guide us into all truth. And so what he was saying was simply this. Hey, you've got the Spirit of God living within you, and when you hear that which is a lie, if you know the truth, God's Spirit will help you to identify that's not true. That's a lie. I love the true story of a man who came back from the mission field with, a, with a, a young man who had given his life to Jesus Christ, had never been in our country, had never seen this culture. He brought him back with him to the United States, and as they were walking down the corner one day, there was a man who was preaching with a Bible under his arm, but he wasn't preaching the truth. He was a member of a cult, but he had his Bible. And this guy, as he was walking with this new convert, was really concerned, and he was, he, he was concerned about what this young man would think as he began to listen to what this guy was preaching. And he didn't want him to be confused by the, the, the deceitfulness of what was going on, but he didn't have time to talk to him and to share anything with him. And as they were walking by him, they stopped to listen. And the whole time, this missionary standing there with this new guy who had given his life to the Lord, he's standing there thinking, wondering what this guy's thinking. And eventually they started to walk away, and he asked him, he said, what did you think about what you heard? He said, you know what? There was something inside of me. There was a voice inside of me that said, he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. And what's fascinating about that is the man didn't really have a whole bunch of time to learn the truth of the Word of God, but since the Spirit of God lived within him, the Spirit of God knows all God's truths and understands the mysteries of God and can lead us into and guide us into truth. And what the point of it was very simple was this. You know what? The truth, the truth sets you free. And the important thing is that the Spirit of God also lives within us if you've come to know Christ and He teaches us the truth. That's why you can sit and listen and go, that's nonsense. I don't care if the guy's thumping on a Bible or screaming at the pulpit or whatever. What he just said was nonsense. And it doesn't line up with the truth of the Word of God. We need to understand that that's the primary responsibility. And in fact, you know, what's interesting to me is that God works through His truth. God works through His truth. And in fact, the primary responsibility of any pastor or teacher is to make sure they teach the truth of the Word of God. Paul warned Timothy as a young pastor to make sure he never strayed from the truth of the Word of God. If you've got your Bibles, look at 1 Timothy for a second and see what God has to say. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Here's something that we need to understand. Here's something that God has really impressed upon my heart. And it's a concern that I have for the church today in America. And that is simply this. The primary responsibility of anyone who opens the Bible to preach or teach the Word of God is to feed the flock and not entertain the goats. Do you understand what I just said? In English, it means this. The primary responsibility of a pastor or teacher who represents the truth of the Word of God is to teach God's people truth and not worry about entertaining those who have never come into a relationship with God by believing in Jesus Christ. The church is not here to entertain lost people. The church is here to represent truth because the truth is the only thing that will set people free. When my friend went to the hospital in Oregon and gave him the truth of the Word of God, it was God's Word that penetrated that man's heart to where he 
could receive the forgiveness that was offered in Jesus Christ. It wasn't his philosophy of life. It wasn't his philosophy of, of what he hopes happens after death. He wasn't trying to blow smoke at anybody. He handed him the truth, and the truth set the man free. We live in a culture today where we're too concerned about entertaining non-Christians instead of teaching God's people the truth of the Word of God. And over and over again, God warns through His Word that God's pastors and teachers are to stay faithful to teach or guard the truth of the Word of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verses 3 through 11. 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 11, he says this, I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus in order that you may instruct or teach certain men not to teach strange doctrines, not to teach lies, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith for some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions. What if they turned aside from the truth of the Word of God? Let's all talk about, well, what do you want to talk about today? Or what do you feel about what's going on? Who cares? I don't care. Do you really care? Because when you're listening to somebody else's opinion, most of us are just sitting and waiting long enough to share ours anyway. We're not even listening to them. What do you think? Are you done? Now let me tell you what I think. Who cares what you think? He says, for some of them, they've strayed aside to fruitless discussions. They want to be teachers of the law even though they don't even understand it. Either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. I love that. I'm so sure of this. You don't even know what you're talking about. What's it based on? I don't know, but I'm confident. What? But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, realizing that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound truth. Oh, we all want to be politically correct. We want to please the crowd. We want to make sure people feel comfortable coming to church. We want to make sure that they walk away as dead when they walked in and they can walk away just as dead in their sins when they leave. But as long as they have a smile on their face, who cares that they don't understand the truth and they're on their way to judgment before God? Let's all make them feel good on that death march. What are we thinking? It's amazing to me what we go through. I mean, you can go through it. Look at, look at 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Let's just look at this real quick. Don't want to get hung on up this because we've got two more things we need to talk about. But this is kind of important. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. It says, Retain the standard of sound words which you heard from me in the faith and love which in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Do you realize that this truth, this book, this collection of God's Word is entrusted to us as a great treasure to present before the world who does not know God, does not know God's truth, that that's what this is for. It's entrusted to us. We are to guard the truth. We're to guard the truth. He says, and hold to the teachings which were passed on to you. The teachings or the traditions are not the traditions of men, 
But they're the teachings of the apostles. They're the teachings of Jesus Christ. They're the teachings of God's men who then God, through the Holy Spirit of God, put them in written form. They're, they're the teachings of God which have been passed down to us. He says our responsibility is twofold. Number one, that we're to stand firm. And number two, we're to hold tight. Stand firm and hold tight. Guard the truth. First thing, stand firm means this, that we don't move away from the truth of God. That we don't move away from the truth of God. Now, being involved in athletics all my life, I understand that there's some things that help me to understand what it means to stand firm. For example, in baseball, when you've got a guy who digs in the batter's box, he digs in and he stands firm and he's not going to give away any of the play to the pitcher. We need to understand that. That's what he does. And now, also to a pitcher, he understands in reverse that he owns the plate and whatever he has to do, he's not giving any of it up. And if it means he's got to throw a high inside fastball, a little chin music as they call it, to move this guy back off the plate, that's what he's going to do. But he's going to stand firm and he's going to hunker down because if he doesn't, he won't be in the game very long. And the same thing holds true in football or any other sport. There are certain things, there's certain territory that's yours that you don't give up to your opponent. You stand firm. You stand fast. That's why Paul said to the Galatians, I'm amazed. I can't believe this, that you have so quickly deserted him who has saved you to go and listen to another gospel, which isn't a gospel at all. It's not good news. The only good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm amazed that you people have so quickly deserted Jesus Christ to go listen to somebody else's philosophy, which isn't a gospel or good news at all, because all it's doing is seducing you to go away from the truth and to believe a lie. I'm amazed at you, is what he said. We're to stand firm, stand fast. Uh, when we were in Europe and we went to the Louvre Museum, because we, you know, I have a, a touch of culture in class... And, uh, and I think it was because my wife wanted to go. I don't really remember exactly what it was. But we went to the Louvre Museum. What's interesting about that is where you've got priceless treasures, there are guards there who guard it. They are entrusted to the treasures that they are to guard. Now what's fascinating about it is this. Here's what, the point that, that, that comes up. People come and go. They all walk by. Oh, fascinating. Oh, you know, and people that know anything about art, this is all you have to do is just go like this. Talk about the light, talk about the colors, just vaguely, and people will think you know what you're talking about. Wow, look at that light. But they, also, they, they stop, but they keep going. Now the interesting thing is, the guard never leaves his post. The guard always stands there. The guard stands fast. The guard doesn't leave his post, because he's there to guard that treasure. What God is trying to say to God's people is this, hold on, stand fast, hold tight. The Greek word means to hold on with all your might and don't let go. If God says it's true, it's true. And don't listen to whoever comes along the way and tries to persuade you that what God is saying is not true. It is true. And it does matter what a man believes. We're, this politically correct thing just gets me sick to my stomach. It just disgusts me. And what's even more disgusting are the number of people who used to stand fast on the Word of God as truth and hold it tight and firmly have loosened their grip and walked from it because they're trying to please people. The definition of leadership today is this. Find out where the people are going, then run out and get in front of them. I mean, that's what people think leadership's all about. In fact, here, I saw this cartoon, I like this. There's Moses and there's a, it must be one of the Gallup guys there with a briefcase next to him. And, and he's standing there with the Ten Commandments and he says this, he looks up to God and says, uh, he says, speaking of the pollster, he says uh, five, six, and eight are widely popular. Adultery is running about 38%. Perhaps we should reconsider the rest. 
I mean, but you laugh about it, but you know what? Isn't that exactly what we do? It's exactly what we're doing. God, uh, what's truth? Well, let's find out what the people say truth is. Hey, you know what? The people that lived in Sodom and Gomorrah said the truth was they could do whatever they wanted sexually and there'd be no consequences for it. That's what their truth was. That's what their sincerity was. That's what they believed. But I, if I read the Bible right, God wasn't swayed by that. He wasn't swayed by what they thought was a sincere belief in doing whatever you wanted to do. And in fact, they experienced the consequences and the judgment for their actions. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he reaps. The bottom line is this. Fortunately for us, God's truth is not subject to public opinion. It's not subject to the latest polls. It's not subject to whatever surveys and research are going on. It's been set for all of eternity. And contrary to the poor man who rejected the deity of Jesus Christ, the Bible, God has not changed His plan just because we've got comfortable in it. That's nonsense. Once we give away an area of our life that's truth according to the Word of God, once we compromise the plate... You know what happens? We're subject to any, any wind of deceitful doctrine and trickery that comes along. Once we give away the anchor of our faith, the Word of God, then we are subject to any deluding spirit that comes our way. What we believe makes all the difference in the world. And if you're going to believe in anything, believe in the truth of the Word of God. And you say, man, you kind of, this is really getting under your collar here today, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, but the reason for it is very simple. And let me share with you why. Some of you know that I'm involved in, in uh, well, we were involved for a number of years with the Rams as far as uh, athletics is concerned. And now we're involved with the uh, Anaheim Angels. And uh, what's fascinating, now, no statements about, you know, whether they're good or bad or whatever. But here, here's the bottom line is this. Every, every team has uh, someone that would be in a capacity like they've chosen to give me, and that would be a person who is uh, responsible for uh, chaplain services and Bible studies, if, if so desired by the guys that are there, whatever. And then every team in the organization, all the minor league teams, have a person that's in a similar position. And uh, I'm responsible for all the ones that work with the uh, angel organization, all the minor league teams, and we've got guys in place in all of those cities. Uh, Midland, Texas, Vancouver, Boise, Idaho, um, Montana, a couple other places. But uh, at Lake Elsinore. Uh, and, and the point of all of it is this. We have a statement of faith that we send out every year to the guys that are going to be working in that ministry. It's very simple, and I'll give you an example. Uh, it says, Baseball Chapel sets forth the following statement as the basis upon which, we, which all ministries shall be established and carried out. The board members and all staff members shall sub subscribe to their statement of faith without any reservation. And the statement of faith says, We believe the Bible, 66 books of the Old and New Testament, to be the inspired, infallible, authoritative Word of God, the complete revelation of His will for the salvation of man and the divine and final authority for Christian faith and life. And it goes on to talk about the rest of what the, what the Bible teaches as far as the Christian faith is concerned. Well, this past week I got facts back from one of the guys who has been in this position for a number of years. And he made the following changes on this baseball chapel statement of faith. It says that we believe the Bible, 66 books of the Old and New Testament, to be the inspired. Then he crossed out infallible, authoritative word of God. Crossed out the complete revelation of his will and changed it to a revelation of his will. I got a problem. 
And I hope you see that there's a problem. Because the problem is very simple. The Word of God is the complete revelation of God for man when it comes to salvation and the life that God expects those of us who live after we invite Christ into our life. It is infallible. There are no errors. It is authoritative. It is not just one of many revelations. It is the revelation of God for man. Do you understand now why it's so important that we recognize the fact that we have a responsibility to guard the truth of the Word of God? That we have got to stand fast. We can't give up an inch of what God says to be true. And we've got to hold it tight and hold it firmly. Why? Because the world wants to come and slowly pry that truth out of our hands. The only, the only weapon that God has here on earth is the preaching of the Word of God and the sending forth of God's Spirit to convict men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And how can man... In fact, let's close with this. In Romans chapter 10, look at this. And I know that you know it, and, and, and I know that you've read it, and I know that this is probably something that you've heard many times before, but you know what? I can't think that we can say it enough, and I don't think that we can understand it enough. And that is the truth of this, that we must guard the truth of the Word of God. In Romans 10, verse 8, But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which you are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the Scripture, the Word of God says... Whoever believes in Him will never be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon Him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the question is, how will they call upon Him? How will they know anything about Him? It says, how then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. Do you follow that? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We have got to guard the truth. When we give it away, we have nothing left, and we've been carried away by a seductive or deceitful doctrine of error that has effectively neutralized God's people from the plan that God has called us. Our responsibility is to reach the word world with the truth of the Word of God. First, we study it. Ezra 7.10 says this, And I dedicated myself to studying the Word of God, to practicing it in my own life, and then to teach it to those who God brought in contact with me. To study it, to live it, and then to speak it. And God uses His Word to bring people to Himself. It does make a difference what a man believes. Father, thank You for this time to be together. We just thank You for the truth of the Word of God. Even those of us now who have come to know Christ by believing in Him, the Spirit of God indwells us. He lives within us and He guides us into all truth. 
And throughout this whole time that we've been discussing the truth of your word, we know because your spirit living within us has given us affirmation and saying amen. That's true. God, help us to become people who don't move away from the truth of the word of God, but guard it with all of our might, that stand fast so that we're not swayed easily by the opinions of men and the polls or the surveys that are taken by people around us who try to convince us that truth isn't acceptable, that truth isn't palatable, that truth isn't really going to be something that people want to embrace. God, help us to become people who are firm and stand firm and fast and hold truth, your truth, and never let it go. Because you tell us that it's your truth and your truth alone that sets people from the bonds of sin. It's your truth and your truth alone that that leads people to believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. God, we just thank you for the truth of the Word of God. May we be men and women who always stand fast and hold firm on your truth. And we just look forward to the blessings that come our way and those who will come to know you because of that. In Jesus' name, amen.